Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. That's the second time it's gone off. Never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. That's... Yeah. They have asked for that, really. Uh, you can laugh. I'm the World Cup. I'm a little bit of an idealist. But having said that, I want to be like me. You don't know what you're talking about. What did you want? I'd like to stay alive for oh, six days. I'd say it to your face, and I'll say it to you now. I'm down to Anfield, and we'll see them all. What are you doing down here, you surely, man? <laughs> It's the Monday after the FA Cup final and already that game feels like it took place about two months ago. Yeah, you join us in today's Irish Times Second Captain's Football Podcast as Mourinho is on the way into Manchester United, Louis Van Hal on the way out and already Ken and Murph. The hello there, the hello there guys. The detail of players' feelings towards their now former manager are leaking out. Yeah. Louis Van Hal's uh, tactics left Manchester United players close to mutiny uh, is the headline in Daniel Taylor's piece here. Hmm. I'm going to say the players don't come out of this article particularly. Why do you well, say that? Huh? He started sending the players individual emails detailing their faults and submitting video clips to highlight his dissatisfaction. Mm-hmm. Except by that stage, the players were so disillusioned that many ignored the emails or redirected them straight to their trash. Van Hal suspected as much and had a tracker fitted so he could check that the emails were opened and for how long. It became a game of cat and mouse. Some players opened the emails on their mobiles, then left their phones to the side and wandered off for 20 minutes. Mm. <laughs> it's the classic, you know, you're, you're late at work uh, and you sort of pop an email just to make sure everybody knows that you're still there. Come on, anyone who's worked in an office has tried this trick. Uh, just send that email at nine o'clock and people will see how hardworking I've been. So this mm. is what these guys were doing to Van Hal, trying to pretend that they're reading his boring emails about how they need to improve and get better. I remember hearing that about some uh, journalists of, of renown Right. Uh, I don't know the if late I, email. I couldn't say if it was this newspaper, the Irish Times, or another newspaper, mm-hmm. who uh, who submitted some column which seemed to be below even his usual standards. Uh, upon inspection of of his computer, <laughs> you could see that the editing time on the file was something like you know twenty three minutes. <laughs> the whole thing had just been so. Uh, so he would, uh, from that day forth, basically come in, open up a Word document, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, go off to the pub or whatever, yeah, yeah. and uh, and come back, and uh, obviously the, the editing time had increased in the quality, maybe not. <laughs> so it's good to see that this um, these kind of practices of passive resistance uh, by it's employees ex- to management. Yeah, it's not just football, but it is extraordinarily immature. The players privately blamed his pre-season arrangements on tour in Los Angeles. For This is before his uh, first season, for feeling like a five-star prison camp mm. with double training sessions. Double, that's two training sessions. Two training sessions per day. Per day. Various meetings, not just one meeting, various meetings. Mm. And an evening supper, in brackets, a piece of toast taking up every day from 8.30am to 10.30pm so I'm not sure if they're annoyed that they had to stay up till half 10 is that it 
and they're only no, getting a piece of toast for their troubles? I, I think it's it's more just that every minute of the day up until half ten oh. was being prescribed for them. Yeah. Um, Don't they get bored? Don't English and Irish footballers get bored? Well, I suppose there's a lot of non-English and Irish players in this. Mm. Maybe, maybe they feel, the more continental types feel that they can To be honest, I mean, if, if, if I'm a Manchester United player, you know, off the record briefing uh, journalists just to explain the hell that they've been going through for the last two years... I wouldn't really be that bothered about going all the way back to the very start of the Van Gaal. You're talking about training sessions they had to do two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Double still, training sessions burns. from two years ago. <laughs> it's like, right, well, I've been waiting a while to get this off my chest, but I, 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 I hope you're sitting down, everyone. We had to trade twice in the same day two years ago. It sounds like the players really had a, took umbrage with Okay, so there's loads of tactical problems that they had with uh, with Van Hal. Chief among them is that apparently he asked his players to take a take a touch in the box, no matter what. If you've got a chance, control that ball. Don't hit it first time, even if you think you can score. Control it. Take your time, and then place it gently home. Mm. Uh, over time, the players started ignoring that rule, complaining that they should be allowed to think for themselves. And in brackets, Daniel Taylor has, though the story of one player asking a United chef to hard boil him a couple of eggs to take home on the basis he didn't know how to do it himself suggests that maybe some members of the squad do need coddling, uh, which yeah. is fair enough. Ah, look, Van Hal is obviously, uh, I'm not uh, d- necessarily defending a lot of his, uh, his tactical decisions over the last couple of years. I'm just feeling a bit sorry for him today, Ken. It's hard not to, even though he, he didn't do a particularly great job. Yeah, well, no, he didn't. He, he got poor results. Uh, <laughs> That's the main issue. Uh, he did manage to win a trophy in the end, so he's man- managed to maintain. Didn't manage his- to enjoy it for very long, though. No, I mean that is just insane. You know, it's just crazy that that of all the moments of this news, which has been awaited for you know four and a half months, of all five months actually since since Mourinho got sacked, of all the moments that it could could have come out, it comes out literally as Louis Hal is leaving with the cup from the Wembley pitch, and his wife rings to say, "I've just seen on the BBC website that you're sacked." And he's like, really? And comes into the press conference. And that was that oh. was his... Of all the moments. Literally any moment in the in the previous five months would have been a better time to say that. Because or this, in the next week. Or in the next week. You know, they, they could have announced it in advance. They could have done what Bayern Munich did, you know, in Manchester City. They could have said, look, Van Hal's done a great job. We've decided to go in a different direction. Um, Jose Mourinho will take over. They might have felt that Van Hal wouldn't have accepted that quite as gracefully as um, Pellegrini did, and in which case, if if he said, "Well, I'm out of here now," then then, Mar- they would have, then they could have hired uh, Jose Mourinho. But then Mourinho might have said, "Well, I'm not coming in yet. I need a pre- I need a preseason." Well, the reports are, reports of Mourinho suggesting they were paying Jose Mourinho four million pounds just to go to you know boxing matches, and I mean they were paying him four million, but he was paid four million pounds not to take another, take another job. job while they waited to decide whether or not to give him oh. the job permanently. So they're already paying him, like, a, a million a month. <laughs> a million a month. Maybe just get him working, you know? Uh, well, I'm, sh- I'm sure he's been, he's been working, you know. The, um, you know, Mourinho, I think, has, has probably known for a while that this was going to happen on the cards, and he's probably been, you know, maybe, maybe having a little think to himself about... <laughs> Doodling on the, you know... Back of a fag packet. What what will be the Manchester United team next uh, next season? Yeah, that's uh, one million quid, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and I'll be doing this next month as well. Yeah, I think there might be some um, there might be some ideas already in the pipeline. Yeah, as for what they're going to do. Well, let's uh, get into the report on sport and discuss this further. 
So, um, Louis van Gaal has apparently been sacked now, uh, although the club still haven't officially confirmed it. Um, we're still waiting on that, but uh, his his uh, severance deal apparently is £5 million plus an extra four hundred grand for winning the cup. So, you know, always the sympathy for, for football managers <laughs> tempered to a certain extent by the enormous wealth that they accrue <laughs> in failing at their jobs. Um but he is, he's out there now. You mentioned on all these pieces that have come out about him trashing him. They all basically hit the same points. As you mentioned, the training sessions, uh, the emails, the fact that Louis van Gaal sometimes made suggestions to the players about how they could play better. Players didn't agree. Wayne Rooney, of course, made him look like an idiot. Louis van Gaal made Wayne Rooney look like an idiot, I should say, um, when, uh, when he cocked up that chance against Tottenham. Well, we I say cocked up. What actually happened was that he was following his manager's instructions too keenly. Take a touch in the penalty area before shooting. This is at the start of the season. Very start of the season. The ball came across. Rooney dithered over the ball, Kyle, giving Kyle Walker time to tackle him. Unfortunately for Tottenham, Kyle Walker tackled the ball into his own net. Mm. And so it was a goal. Um, Wayne Rooney, of course... Uh, I mean, uh, you know, we don't know that the information on that particular... And what was going through Wayne Rooney's mind at that exact moment came from Wayne Rooney. We don't know that for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know. Is that is is Louis van Gaal's inept advice the only reason why Wayne Rooney only scored eight goals in the league this season? Might there be other reasons for that? You know, Wayne Rooney. I remember him talking about you know the player I really admired when I when I was growing up was actually Yari Littmanen. I want, I, remind me who Yari Littmanen's coach at Ajax was. Uh, who was who was the coach of Ajax when they won the Champions League when Yari Littmanen was was their second here, striker. Yeah. Yeah, now this you know a lot of these reports today, you know, are, are, are making the point that the striker is is, asked, is being asked to get the ball, lay it off to the wing, get in the box. If you were asking for a description of what Yari Littman used to do, that the young Wayne Rooney would sit boggle-eyed with amazement, um, watching Yari Littman uh, against the best teams in Europe, and, and uh, that is exactly what he did almost every time he got the ball. Um, I guess he was good at it, though. I guess he was pretty good uh, at playing that way, and not everybody is, as we see. Um, the robotic, uh, the the robotic influence of you know, don't think for yourself. This is what you do. You think you know better. Daniel Taylor, for instance, made the point uh, that Van Hal came out with a weird line, and when it was in, in possibly it was his very first press conference, where he says, "I don't want players to be intuitive." Now, okay, and 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 Daniel Taylor says. Everyone was like, "What?" You know, is that did he really, is that what he said? And they're checking again over the over the audio recording. I think you know what he's saying there is, I don't want players to be off the cuff. You know, I don't want players to make up the game as they go along because we've got a this is this is how somebody who doesn't speak great English, as certainly Van Hal at that time didn't. Um, this is how somebody might express that idea. In the the idea of being intuitive, you know, the idea of inventing the game. Uh, in the moment, as opposed to playing the game according to the according to the structure of the of a team, there is a system here. I mean, he, and Hal obviously was very wedded to that. You could see him even in the cup final. Um, was it at halftime, an extra time, or, or just before extra time when you see Pardew, Pardew strutting around? Well, the somewhat deflated Pardew <laughs> is going around trying to you know inspire his men with man words, and Van Hal has everyone gathered around looking at a, uh, at a kind of a notepad. Did you see that? And Van, Van Hal is like, oh, you know, kind of stabbing his finger down in this notepad. And you can see these Man United players standing around with their hands on their hips, you know, 
And Van Hal really passionately sort of, this, you know, this, he obviously has some kind of idea he's trying to get across them, and they're just staring at him with glazed faces. Um, and eventually, uh, what's his, what's his name, Lingard, Lingard yeah. uh, smacks one in as as Martin Samuel pointed out in his version of the why Van Hal didn't work out piece with a goal that wouldn't have been allowed under the system of, or, or, or would have been discouraged under the system of take a touch. Oh, before the first you time shoot. shot, yeah. Um, you know, um, but these these pieces I was saying all have basically the same thing. Too much training, uh, video sessions. Van Hal tried to tell us too much. Uh, Schweinsteiger spending a lot of time in Germany. Um, maybe eating a lot of airport food as well. <laughs> Judging by the condition of the German World Cup winner. Spending so much, too much time in the team also, I'd say. Well, more time than... Well, not enough time in the team. Yeah. You could you could also say injured a lot in, in Jeremy Frank. Sorry, sorry, I just mean he's, he's, one of the points we made is that he's a player who was trusted by... Van Hal when he was fit or you know as close to fit as he could be mm. because he would carry out those instructions to the to the letter yeah probably enjoyed them and you know as, as opposed to some of the other players oh yeah I, I imagine he did I mean Van Hal I suppose invented Schweinsteiger as the player he, he became he turned him into the midfielder that he became Schweinsteiger had been this kind of all action winger who didn't have much skill the fun faction Ken we remember it well uh, Basti Fantasti and mm. was it Sebastian Deisler Podolski. Uh, Podolski. Podolski. So, yes, there were three of them. There were three members of the fun, fun faction. I mean, there wouldn't be much crack with just two members. Two. How much fun can that fun faction have? Yeah. I mean, I suppose two's company. <laughs> but three's a, anyway, three's a faction. <laughs> Pouring over the uh, bones of this uh, you know, managerial uh, reign. Schwein, he doesn't come out of it too well. Um, so we can guess he's probably not the source of the leak. Um, Memphis doesn't come out of it too well. Driving his big fancy cars to a reserve game that he's forced to play in going to an under 21 game in a Rolls Royce that's the one don't do it Memphis don't come in don't come in in that Rolls Royce go uh, and then he just comes in the next day in the in the Rolls Royce again he's like well all the, all the under 21s have Rolls Royces as well <laughs> yeah that's that's fine <laughs> you're a senior player you've got to set a better example you can probably afford it though so you you <laughs> yeah. know you shouldn't be driving that car I don't know maybe, maybe that will go down better with the new manager I mean Diego Torres uh, I remember him ref- just saying in the, in the book uh, you know the, the the special one, Jose Mourinho. He regarded himself as an outstanding amateur rally driver. He would do sort of donuts in the Real Madrid car park, you know, and speed off in a, in a cloud of smoke uh, in in one of his various cars. He's, he was into these sorts of things. Watch any of you, very successful man. Mm. These are the trappings of success. The fruits, as Conor McGregor calls them, the fruits. Why shouldn't he enjoy the fruits? Sorry, I thought you were going to. No, it's. I'm just, I'm just a little. I don't understand why this press, this briefing happened. This idea that oh, you, we're going to have to try. We're, the story of how terrible Van Hal was to us Manchester United players. It has to be told. We have to get our side of the story out there. I mean, I, I don't know why any Manchester United player would feel the need to do this. Do you mean over the over the weekend? Uh, because well, don't assume. Don't assume that this. this no, yeah, yeah. I don't, I, don't, I, mean, I don't believe that it was. I think this is from from a, a little while ago. And they're just holding it in their back pocket until the Van moment actually, at which. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, it, I don't know how anyone could read this and say, "God, yeah, the Manchester United players." You know, I've, I've been pretty harsh on them, but it turns out actually they've, they, you know, they they were working in intolerable working conditions here. No. I mean, it, it, all this does is make them look petty and small and 
stupid immature and stupid. That's, stupid that's all that this makes well, well it does out, well it does outline some it does going to you know it doesn't make Van Hal Van Hal doesn't come out of it amazingly either you no. know but I'm not well yeah but like, so, so they've got that point across that yeah. like look this guy come on tell him like literally didn't let us play football really he yeah. just kind of sent us out there as robots oh come yeah. on come but on. see this, yeah but I mean Everyone saw the football. Everyone saw that you, Louis Van Gaal, yeah. was not doing a very good job. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, no, none of this necessarily illuminates no, that no, much more. Okay, none of yeah, it yeah. does. None of it does. I mean, the the idea that they were playing in some sort of constricted way, or they didn't, f- you know, let us make that. I mean, we we've all seen the football, so we know that players weren't happy. But this just makes them look stupid. Wayne Rooney, for instance, um, this this notion of this notion of him being suddenly paralysed by the the difference between his instinct and. Uh, what he was told to do by his coach. I do remember Ferguson saying in his uh, book that Rooney wasn't really a very good learner. He didn't learn. Uh, he didn't take instruction very well. And his and his his uh, his tendency was always to go back to what he knew. He didn't really develop in some ways. This was when, you know, remember, I mean, remember that Rooney, Ferguson was trying to push him out at the time when Ferguson eventually had to leave. Um, but Rooney, I was watching the cup final and I thought this is a, this is a really dire performance from Manchester United's midfield orchestrator, playmaker, Wayne Rooney. I've never seen such a predictable performance. What does he think he's doing there? It's, you know where every pass is going. He, he, there's a, he, he plays a lot of these kind of cross-field passes, and he floats them in such a way as to allow the entire defence to really reorganise. You know, you, you see someone who's actually good at that. I can think of, for instance, uh, Xabi Alonso, mm. Luka Modric. They whip those those balls, you know, really, they—it's almost like shooting the ball across the field. Um, there's no point in gently lobbing a pass. You know, everyone has time to move ten or fifteen yards. Yeah. You know, he does a lot yeah. of that. It's completely, it's, it's utterly useless. Yeah, utterly to useless. not whip those balls, to not actually just fire those balls into people. Because all it, I mean, the idea of switching the play is to catch the defense off guard. If you're switching the play by you gently know, lofting a sort of nine iron 90 yards up in the air and yeah. waiting for, for it to drop on Jesse Lingard's foot I mean it's the only way this is going to work out is if everyone simultaneously falls over there is a chance that might happen but it's an, only a small chance now and it, and it was so predictable he was just getting the ball and he was just passing it laying it off and standing sort of in the same place no movement and I thought what is this is ridiculous you know and then of course what happened <laughs> yeah. he created the equaliser with this storming mm run past several players this sort of straight out of like straight out of, I'm, just, I'm just making it up as I go along here managed to stay on his feet long enough to get over a, a brilliant cross from the sort of position that his, his body was in so what's that evidence of what's that evidence of an ability to play off the cuff Rooney finally casting off the the leaden um, instruction of, of Louis van Gaal and allowing his spirit to run free or Rooney in desperation just doing something, doing something in the game. Are you seriously telling me that Louis van Gaal, if Wayne Rooney was to was to been out there playing a kind of a mixed game in which, you know, he passes it one, the, you know, one time he gets it, he passes it, he lays it off. Then he tries, maybe he tries a one-two the next time, or then maybe he tries to go past one man. Are you telling me? Are you seriously telling me that Louis van Gaal is is going to whip off Wayne Rooney in a cup final? His his captain, his top man. He's going to take him off. He's not going to allow Wayne Rooney to do, to, to, to improvise, to take, the game, to take the game into his own hands, to show initiative. I don't believe that for a second, for a second. If Wayne Rooney was having these sorts of ideas or trying these sorts of things, I don't think Van Hal is going to take him off. 
Maybe not in one game. Over the course of a season, though, if these things are drummed into players, well, well, then, then it, it becomes second nature to just do them, and it's hard then maybe to escape from that. I, I in don't. The middle of a cup I don't think it will become second nature to Rooney because I think his nature is already formed many years ago. And in, in many cases, Ferguson was saying, you know, he doesn't really take in new information or try, he doesn't feel the need that he wants to adapt. And according to Mark Ogden, I mean, the point was made. Uh, point was made in some of these pieces that one player said, "I'm not going to play. I'm going to play the way I want." And that player improved. Mark Ogden says that the player was Wayne Rooney. Uh, it was Rooney was dropped you know, against Stoke, came back in. Remember, he had a little burst, played well against Newcastle, and kind of scored a couple of goals around that time before he got injured. Um, and that was Rooney reverting. So, what what I'm saying is that that robot, that boring robot playing those softly lobbed passes around the Wembley field. That was Wayne Rooney, not Louis van Gaal's brainwashed version, Manchurian candidate Rooney. That was Rooney himself. And it was desperation that brought out the moment at the end. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't, oh, this is, this is the real me. Well, the it real was still me. in there. I mean, it was still in there. He still did it. You know, you, you had to do something and he did it. Well, he, well, he had to, he, well, he eventually did, he eventually did do it. That's true. But if they'd had a player who was playing properly throughout the game, maybe it would have been 3-0 <laughs> is all I can say. Um, Do, we've got more. We're going to get Dion Fanning and Miguel Delaney in in a little while to are, talk more about Hal and some Mourinho. Yeah, I mean the the point about Mourinho is is that uh, so why did, why would you hire Mourinho when his last job the last thing he did was was walk out of Chelsea in you know absolute turmoil way behind Louis Van Gaal in the league um, with a record that didn't stand up to Louis Van Gaal's you know supposedly bad record at Manchester United. Uh, you know, attacking his players. I was <laughs> just watching this. His last, his the last seven interview. Minute, it wasn't the, not the seven minute. <laughs> not the, not, no, the seven minute one was brilliant, and the nothing to say one was was equally good. But no, it was it was the Leicester one, the last Premier League game he was managing Chelsea, and he was. Why do we not? Why do we not win? Because we don't score goals. Why? Why do we not score goals? We we got we've got players whose job it is to score goals. You don't score goals. You know, he's kind of pointing out. You know, Eden, well, the, Eden Hazard. The, the look of resignation when he said, oh, well, I told him that's what Verdi was going to do. Yeah. But, uh, well, what can you do, you know? I mean, you can only tell professional footballers so many times. This diagonal, Marais, Marais comes inside, Verdi's diagonal run happens every time. I've told them, you know, uh, maybe it was one of those emails they didn't open. That'll be in the email. They want to be reading their emails, these Man United players. I mean, Jose Mourinho was... He, I don't think he's going to put up with a lot of this. From, from these guys. I don't think he's going to accept these players that have been playing badly for two successive managers now. I think he's going to want to change them up. And why shouldn't you change them up? This is a club that has got more money than almost every every other club. Jose Mourinho is a, you know, is, is, has got good connections in the transfer market. And I think he's going to want to spend. I mean, I was, we were, I was writing about it today uh, in the Irish Times saying, for instance, you've got Marcus Rashford Rashford seems like a good Rashford who incidentally is um, according to one of the reports uh, currently George Mendes is trying to get him into the just the future which might be a good move might be a good career move for him at this (laughs) at this particular juncture whatever his relationship with his previous agent that might be yeah uh, a good idea just now Mm -hmm. but uh, if you've got Rashford Rashford looks decent looks pretty good He's the you know, that's the spirit of the club, you know, develop these players and everybody likes Rashford. But if you say you want to keep Rashford there, you want to use him regularly, that means what you're saying, because Jose Mourinho is not really a, a manager who tends to play with more than one striker. What you're saying is you can't you can't really go and 
by a superstar striker. Which, in a way, defeats the purpose of having brought in Jose Mourinho and George Mendes. It's kind of like, well, isn't that really part of what we do? You know, to bring, you know, surely, surely we want to do that. Why? But, why well, surely why, you can keep Rashford. You can keep Rashford in the squad without necessarily guaranteeing him starts or you know he's surely he's young enough that he'll accept waiting in the wings a little bit and contributing off the bench from time to time and so, so on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as with, like, as with Lukaku, you know, Lukaku. Um, well, Lukaku didn't want to do that. Chelsea, you know, um, he joined West Brom uh, on loan and then he joined Everton on loan. Um, the second time was when Mourinho said, "Look, I, you know, you're not going to be a regular starter." Yeah. And Lukaku said, "Well." That's not really good enough at this stage of my career. He was a nearly two years older than Rashford is now when that happened. Um, they're not the same player, obviously. But, you know, I just kind of feel as though Manchester United are a really big club. They've got a lot of money. They kind of want to bring that money into play. You know, everybody does. You know, I'd say the, the new manager does. The new manager's agent, I'd say, definitely does. Um, and I think the executive uh, vice chairman, is, that, is he the executive vice chairman? Ed Woodward... The man who, who runs Manchester United for the Glazer family and his deputy, Richard Arnold, both want to bring that money into play because how else can they feel as though they're really contributing to what this club is doing? These are guys who've made a huge amount of money for the club. And you may think, in a, in a way, Owen, I don't know if you think this, but you may think that a club such as Manchester United might wish to do things in such a way that they that there's the biggest possible gap between their income and their expenditure. If they can do if they can do the job while spending less money, then isn't that better? Well, in a lot of businesses, that would be the case. A lot of businesses would look at it that way. I'm not sure Manchester United is such a business, though. I think there might be an element of which spending the spending the money is actually part of making the money. Hmm. You, if you 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 can't make money without spending. I'm saying in the in the absence of winning loads of trophies to assert yourself as one of the biggest clubs in the world. If if you can do that, great. But if you can't do that, then you have to spend more money than anyone else to make sure that you're the best club in the world. This is exactly this is exactly it. Now, there's there's a couple of ways of doing it. You can do you can you can be a success of being a successful club. Uh, a big a, a big club, one of the biggest clubs in Europe. There's the way that Manchester United did it for many years under Alex Ferguson. There's the way that Barcelona sort of built themselves up, you know, under guys like Kroof, uh, Van Hal, Pep Guardiola. The difficult thing about that is that you really need to know a lot about football. You need to be smart. You need to be very smart. You need to be adept at handling situations that come up. You need to make a lot of good decisions, much more good ones than bad ones. And not many people can do that. But anybody can do it the money way. Really, anybody. I mean, uh, draw up a list of footballers. Uh, see, which fo- see which footballer has the most followers on Instagram. <laughs> it's really easy. And There's programs that can do it. Work your way down through the list. Uh, ring Neymar. I'm sure they'll take, his call. They'll take their call. Yeah. You know, Neymar's uh, agents will, will definitely talk to Manchester United. Maybe some of that may get into the press. Yeah. Who knows? You know? it, well, I mean, I, I don't know. Has that, has, have we ever seen that story before in the press, Neymar? I mean... Uh, He'd be a bloody good signer for Manchester United, kid. Yeah, I tell you, he bloody would. Uh, Gareth Bale, same, same right. thing. Well, Cristiano Ronaldo returned to Old Rafa. Christian, well, Cristiano Ronaldo used to play for them, of course, mm. back in the, back in the day. Very romantic story, you know? But, but the, you know, the, the model here is not Barcelona or Manchester United themselves. The, you know, the, this kind of, let's... Uh, Cut our cloth. Let's let's try and 
uh, work hard. Let's plan this all out in a kind of rational way. Let's make a long-term plan. Work really hard. Make smart decisions. You know, put put together a great team. Forget that. It's who can we, how can we kind of maximize the attention, the profile, the exposure? That's what we're. That's what actually what we're doing here. The club means different things to different people. You know, the fans who go there every week might think of it as, you know, they they might be thinking of their absent fathers and grandfathers. You know, when they when they sit there, they might, you know, they they've got all this collective experience. Uh, it's all about the football, really, for for fans. Um, but for the people who actually control Manchester United, it's not about that at all. It's completely about money, completely. And you know, Mourinho coming in, I think, guarantees something. We've been talking about it for how long already? You know, people are going to be talking about this. Mourinho is going to Mourinho creates issues to talk about all the time. You know, he uh, he says funny things, he says nasty things, he. Uh, he does. We know what he does. He just generates stuff every single day. Every single day, uh, it's going to be like that with Guardiola there across the city. It's just going to be. This is supposed to be the drawback uh, to Mourinho being hired previously. Precisely this issue that some people at Manchester United weren't too enamored about the idea. Does of Bobby Charlton hired? understand anything about Instagram? He doesn't. He seriously <laughs> doesn't. Bobby Charlton doesn't even know what Instagram is. I'm I'm serious. I'm absolutely serious about this. I, I was looking at Manchester United's own website the other day. They've got a page, company information, company information, business model. You know, <laughs> so what do they say about their business model? Well, what they what they do is they give you a little. They they give you a couple of pie charts. The pie charts, you know, simple things. Even even Bobby Charlton probably be able to understand this. It's not it's not high tech. They show a tiny little pie on one side. 157 million. That's their income in 2005. Uh, 395 million in 2015, and then a massive pie chart on the right-hand side. 500 million plus 2016 re- revenue projected. So the thing you notice is that in 2016, the red part of the pie, which is labeled commercial, is now more than half of the pie. Broadcasting is, is like a quarter. Match day is less than a quarter. Match day is, you know, the fans who, who turn up and go to the match. I love the colour scheme here as well. The commercial is blood red. Blood red. And match day is like boring old grey. Match day is grey, like those do shirts we, they wore at Southampton yeah. that they had to change do out of. Do we even have to go through this farce of a match day? I mean, yeah. if we could just focus all of our attention on commercial. Commercial. Imagine the money we could make. So we believe the commercial revenue will be our fastest growing sector over the next few years. Now, the point is that... that uh, it's already the, the biggest. They say sp- it, you can break it down into three sections. Sponsorship, international regional marketing and sponsorship partners are attracted to our global brand and worldwide community of followers. To better leverage the strength of our brand, we have developed a global regional project, se- pro- uh, product segmentation sponsorship strategy, meaning you know, in, our, in, in each different territory, in different countries, they've got the official Manchester United uh, supplier of, say it could be mobile, a mobile phone. Who, who is the official mobile phone network of Manchester United in you know, Burma? You know, yeah, to, to make a random example, I don't know. Uh, and they give a list of brands who are associated with them. Then there's retail and mar- merchandising apparel. You know, in apparel, you know all the um, stuff they tat that you sell in the official store shirts and whatever. Be- coffee mugs to bedspreads featuring the Manchester United brand and trademarks. And then mobile and content, which is kind of a, a, a new developing area of it, you know, where they can get people to pay directly to watch Man United clips on their phone, you know, Man United content, as they call it, football. <laughs> uh, on their on their phone now that is the biggest that's what Manchester United is making most of its money from and will continue to make more from as as time goes by it will become an ever and and the difference there is that it's not actually about football anymore it's about it's about advertising to football fans 
You know what I mean? Yeah. So anything that can get you more attention, like, for instance, appointing arguably the world's most famous manager, a man... The, the only way they could make a bigger impact is by appointing Donald Trump. Literally, Trump is the only guy who would, who would make more waves. Only because people would be like, what is Trump... Isn't he supposed to be running for president? What is going on? You'd have the New York Times saying, what does this mean for Trump? You know, but otherwise, in terms of media impact, this is as big as it gets. The model for Manchester United is not their own successful way of doing things in the past, but the Real Madrid way. It's the... You know, the, the most expensive players are the cheapest. Galactico That's, players and Galactico manager. Galactico players, Galactico manager, Galactico signings, just spend, spend, spend. That's, that's you know, everybody knows we're the biggest because we hold the world transfer record and keep breaking it. That's the model. I think Ed Woodward would rather do things that way than the old way because that's the way in which he is the key person. If, if Ferguson was still there, Woodward's just some, you know, guy who, who does advertising contracts. You know, he's, Ed's doing a great job over in the boring advertising department. You know, uh, while Ferguson is the genius, he's the he's the leader. He's the person around whom whom everything coalesces. He's the he dictates the whole model and agenda of the club. But this way, given that you don't have a Ferguson, you don't have a genius. You don't have somebody like that. I mean, well, you do now. You're appointing a genius in uh, Jose Mourinho. You're, you're so you're, the, and, and one with a massive personality who will. Uh, who who will be the big story at the club? So he will th- be, that's almost a self defeating argument in the sense that I don't think any I don't think anybody thinks he's going to be there for many many years though. You know, it's just uh, you know looking at a couple of his videos over the week weekend rather. Uh, <laughs> there was one where he was having uh, an argument. He's in the Chelsea press room, you're doing regular press conference, not like match day. Uh, I think it was Ben Smith. I think it was Ben Smith from the BBC who was saying. He was saying, uh, Jose, you know, do you as a man feel that it's important to show that you can really uh, have a dynasty at a club? You know, to, that you can, you know, I think, I think in the question he, he, he referred to the third season, which Mourinho was then in, i.e. the season just gone, the third season having been an issue. And Mourinho kind of interrupted, oh, the, the third season? Uh, the third season, people talk about the third season. Well, in my third season at Real Madrid, we won the, you know, the, we lost the cup final. We, we were second in the league or something. I can't remember exactly what the, but he's like, why don't you go on Google? Why don't you type in Google.com and search and you'll see that your question is stupid. You know, the third season, the idea of the third season is stupid. You, you know, I don't have any problem with the third season. Who's talking about the third season? And Ben Smith, sort of undeterred by this misdirection, said, well, no, Jose, what I'm trying to say is, you, you surely get the question, you know, uh, you know, is, do you feel it's important to show as a man that you, can, that you can actually do this, that you can stay long-term at a club, that you can kind of build like that? And the Chelsea, you can sense things getting a bit tense. Mourinho doesn't like this question. And the Chelsea press officer sort of suddenly is, is in there going, sorry, Ben, Ben, you know, if you've got a question, you know, maybe you could, you know, basically spit out the question, stop talking, talking around it. He obviously feels the need to get in, get involved here. He doesn't want to be in a situation where, <clears throat> where when they walk out of that room, Jose Mourinho turns to him and says, thanks for standing up for me in there, Steve. When, when you're, that guy was throwing that question at me that, you know, thanks, thanks a bunch. What a great press officer you've been today. You know, why don't you go home? You've done a, you've re, you've done a, you should be proud of yourself. You're doing a great job. He obviously was like, I better get involved here. Jose's not going, you know, but it was that sensitive issue that, that, uh, the fact is Mourinho hasn't been able to do that everywhere he's been. He's either walked out after, you know, winning the Champions League or 
you know, been sacked with things going wrong, badly wrong. And uh, I don't. That's, that's why I don't think you can you can you you can't rely on Mourinho to come in and and give them a model, give them a new uh, you know, give them a football model, which is going to be like a success over a long period of years. He might come in get together a few stars and whip that stars into no, the team my, that wins the Champions yeah, League. But my point was that if Ed Woodward is making these appointments and spending this money to uh, to be the big man, and he's not the big man anymore, it won't be for as long as Mourinho is there, Mourinho will be the main figure at Manchester United. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think he will. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Ed Woodward has dealt with anything quite like this before. No. Um he, yeah, he he will be he will be the big bad. And you could you could look at it and, and over the, the process over the last few months almost as as Woodward being hypnotized into handing this job over, you know, by by a guy who it seems to me wasn't actually in that strong a negotiating position, according to reports today, being paid four million pounds just to wait for this job. This is the football manager you're looking for. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's a Jedi mind trick that's been pulled on Ed Woodward. And and you know, I, I would I would have looked at it and thought, well, where else can Jose Mourinho go? You know, you look around Europe. It's not as though there are tons of top clubs who want to manage. It's Real Madrid. There was talk of him going back there. I'm not too sure about that. You know, I would have. You know, if I'd been on the other side of the negotiation, I would have been like, well, of course, it is normal when Real Madrid are interested in you to want to go there. So, you know, if that happens, maybe maybe we'll have to hire somebody else as manager. You know, Barcelona, not going to hire Jose Mourinho. Italy, a country where, uh, you know, he, he's never given the impression he wants to go back there. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain just gave Laurent Blanc a new contract, you know, last month. Not that that necessarily means much. But at the Premier League, no, there's Manchester United, it was Manchester United or nobody. Obviously the best job Available, obviously, for Mourinho. Unless, unless he wants to go to, you know, Fenerbahce. You know? Yeah, act like it, Ed, you know? This, it's like you don't realise what a big club this, in fact, is. Like, what a, what a big deal this is. This is a huge job. This is a huge club. Mourinho needed them more than the other way around, I, I thought. But maybe they feel differently about it. Any other stories you want to get to in the report on sport? There's actually quite a few of them, because it was a really big uh, weekend of football. There was all these cup finals on around Europe. Um particularly exciting one in Scotland where Hibs beat Rangers 3-2 uh, and there was then a big riot on the field I mean like a proper uh, you know broken they broke the goals kind of thing in the in the time honoured manner but you know proper brawling on the field um, which Rangers uh, got particularly uh, angry about they you know put out a statement um, Rangers finds it incomprehensible that nobody, no one either from within the Scottish FA or Hibernian Football Club has condemned Hibernian supporters following the violent scenes at the end of the Scottish Cup final. Rangers players and members of our backroom staff were physically and verbally assaulted. We haven't even had the courtesy of any contact whatsoever from Hibernian. Um, we're at a complete loss to understand why certain individuals have hastily attempted to gloss over the appalling events which unfolded at the end of Saturday's final. I mean, it was it was mad. You know, there's videos of, of this uh, which you can check out and really like total breakdown of order but some weird stuff happening there was a video in which you could see a guy like grabbing a kid like who's fighting like a small enough kid who's who's he's obviously nothing to do with this kid the kid is fighting to get free like terrified and eventually does manage to sort of wriggle away out of his grasp uh, whereupon the guy is set upon by you know other people who have obviously seen this happening and are you know pretty appalled by what just really kind of some weird stuff I saw uh, Alan Stubbs isn't it, his managing Hibs now saying afterwards that uh, you know obviously you don't condone this etc etc but you know I can I can understand how the years of hurt I mean they haven't won a 
trophy in however long that the, the years of hurt built up this emotion that just poured out in, in a way that it shouldn't have you know so he kind of uh, didn't condone it but maybe uh, certainly unless he said anything since then this was yesterday uh, I was reading his quotes from after the game he was sort of well it's not great but Jesus, you know, we won the cup. <laughs> <laughs> at least, at least there was that. Um, we, uh, yeah. So that, so that that happened. Brendan Rodgers is the new manager of Celtic Football Club. Hmm. Um, so, so much for the Roy Keane talk uh, that we had been mentioning last week. Rodgers says, "I'm absolutely delighted to be named Celtic manager. This is genuinely a huge honor for me. I've followed Celtic all my life, and to be given this fantastic opportunity and to be part of such a truly great football club is a dream come true. I will give my new role everything I have." do all I can to bring our supporters exciting, entertaining and winning football. Uh, the club has been in magnificent shape in recent years. It's collected silverware regularly. My objective now, of course, is to continue this work, keep us at the top and again make our mark in Europe. I know what a magnificent sport Celtic enjoys and I can promise our fans one thing. I will be doing everything I can to give you a team you can be proud of. A team that delivers. I can't wait to be in paradise with our team and with our fans as we all get to work. So inclusive message from Brendan. Everyone's going to be part of this. The old firm game is back this year, so he's got four matches, at least four matches against Rangers. It's probably good, isn't it? Forward. It 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 is probably good. It's probably, I mean, a good thing for him. There's like, okay, obviously, in uh, it means there's, there's more serious competition now, but equally, that's probably not a bad thing. I mean, we've had this argument a few times. I had this conversation over the years about whether Celtic needs Rangers in the uh, in the top division. Celtic fans don't always react. I don't know if I don't know if Scottish society needs Celtic and Rangers to be, you know, um, re- reigniting the hatreds of the 17th century, the religious wars of the 17th century every couple of months. Maybe Scottish society actually could get on quite well without that. But I think Celtic and Rangers do need each other in order to feel relevant to anything at all. Well, you know, maybe Rangers' situation over recent years is a bit different. You know, their their struggle back to the top, their who are we even really? <laughs> Can we even really be sure who we are anymore? Uh, but now that they're you know playing each other, I mean those matches have been the biggest thing in Scottish football since forever. So now that they're back, it's bad in some ways. Um, but from a football point of view, for the two clubs, I think it's probably for the best. Spanish Cup final, Barcelona did the double. They did. Uh, Luis Suarez got injured and was weeping copiously on the bench uh, uh, because maybe he would miss the Copa America. We don't know yet whether that's definitely the case. Sevilla, uh, a good side, gave Barcelona a bit of a nightmare in this one, especially because Mascherano was sent off in the first half. Uh, but Sevilla ultimately couldn't make a count. They ended up with nine men. Uh, Messi set up both goals, which both were scored in extra time by Alba and uh, Neymar. Just brilliant assists from Messi. He's you know he's got the ball sort of in central, deep positions in midfield. Well, the second one was towards the edge of the box, but he's... There's just no way of telling what he's about to do. He's kind of trundling almost with the ball. It's not like he's really <clears throat> going anywhere fast. He's just waiting for people to move. You can't t- take the ball off him. You don't know what he's going to do with it. First one was like a 40-yard diagonal pass into the path of Alba. Second one was just a little shift. Like he put his foot, literally put his foot on the ball, froze, then rolled the ball forward a couple of inches, having put the defender off balance, and then dinked it, just past the defender into the space that he created. Neymar scored. It was brilliant, but the thing that I always remember this game for, Owen, is what happened after the game when all of the Barcelona players gathered together their many children and began to celebrate on the field. And I thought, why is this happening? All the-? Every time I turn on the TV, I can't seem to see. It's just footballers with like children sitting uh, on no, their what's, shoulders. What's wrong with this? What's your issue? They actually brought the, brought the kids up to, to do the lifting of the cup. 
they brought them all, all the way up the steps. So it was just like this whole scene of the Barcelona players with their with their children there. But they've lifted a lot of trophies. You know, I mm. mean, I, I I think that at some stage the whole rigmarole of dancing around, throwing your manager up in the air a little bit, uh, high fiving each other. I mean, I just think they're getting older as well. They're married men, kids mm. now, family men. So why not I'll, let the kids yeah, enjoy not, it? Not, not so much that one. Just m- mostly boredom. Uh, just trying to mix it up. That would be my that would be my read on the, the situation. There. Yeah. I what about acknowledging your fans? Well, they probably did that as well, didn't they? Uh, well, that's actually not really. I, mean, I saw Luis Enrique going mental, shouting "Vamos" at all of the Barcelona supporters. Well, a manager particularly enjoys a win uh, like that when he's been down to ten men and he's had to he's had to do some serious management. Mm. You know, we couldn't put this one all down to the genius of Messi, uh, Suarez, and Neymar. Suarez is injured. Neymar kept getting shouted at by his own teammates and. Okay, Messi won the game with his genius for Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> but, but at least this time, Luis Enrique could say... There was well, a little wrinkle in the whole, yeah, the whole story. I there. made some big decisions. No thanks to Javier Mascherano. We've come through and, uh, and succeeded. So uh, congratulations to him. who I know it's been pointed out, has the same tally of trophies after his two seasons with Barcelona as Pep Guardiola had after his first two seasons. So... Uh, <laughs> Genius comes in all shapes and sizes. That's it for Kennedy's report on sport. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain, first captain, whatever. Richie Sadler's here. Richie, how are you? How are you, lads? How are you, lads? Richie, how are you, lads? How are you doing this week? I'm marvellous. Look at the joy on my face. Look how happy I was. What the fuck happened? (laughs) No, really. You know, what happened? When John was young, everyone in the city... Knew about it, but no one had seen it. It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's persuaded of the world outside of that. That's why sport's important. Art Miguel Delaney and Dion Fanning are ready to go on. Well, story. I suppose it's still developing, and we think we all know the end game at this stage. But no official announcements as we speak, Dion. Um, Van Hal seems to be learning everything through the media in a not particularly dignified manner. Manchester United haven't confirmed Mourinho, but haven't done anything to to actually control the story in any way that we can see. Anyway, is it fair to say they could have handled this better? Yeah, it's like they looked at how they got rid of David Moyes and felt that actually we were a bit too decent. <laughs> he had way too much yeah, dignity. Yeah, we always think that he only had sort of 24 hours when he couldn't get hold of anyone at the club. <laughs> uh, let's, you know, let's, you know, let's win the FA Cup and then just like drag it out all over the weekend. And you know, I know that the story didn't come from United on Saturday, but again, they knew this was going to happen. They knew that once the FA Cup was done, that everyone was going to start talking about the season uh, or, or the summer and what was going to happen next, and they seem kind of completely unprepared for it again. Yeah, they do. Uh, Miguel, why are they, are they so unprepared? Is, that, is, that, is it anything more nefarious than this, or is it just simply that they haven't handled it well, that they've been unprepared, as Dion says? Well, I think some of it reflects the fact that up until, I suppose, the end of April, the club wasn't 100% sure what they were going to do. Now, if, if you talk to anyone close to Mourinho, uh, for, for quite a while, they, they've been quite confident that he's going to have the job next season. But I think we, but I do know that he was getting slightly frustrated with United's position throughout all this because there was no clear decision. And a lot of people at United, up, up until the last few weeks ago, still said that Woodward hadn't completely made up his mind and it was almost like he was trying to play all ends against each other, which we've probably seen the the end consequence of this weekend with the kind of the farce at the press conference on a, on Saturday after the game. 
and as as bullish as Van Gaal can be and all that, I was I was at the press conference, but it it was quite odd and quite sad that his moment of celebration was I suppose spoiled by the fact that he had to be asked about his future because it just wasn't clear, and it's, he and he didn't seem to know either. It's Even really, though I, I was told that he was not by the club, but he was made aware of the situation uh, on Wednesday. It's just so awful like I, I, I mean they, it's literally the worst possible moment that, they, that this news could have come out yeah. Manchester United could have yeah. announced this a couple of months ago you know I mean this story has obviously been people have been su- suggesting since the day after he left Chelsea that this could happen this, and this is the big thing as well I mean like what Moyes once United knew they weren't going to weren't in Champions League uh, I, I'm, I'm not aware of the specifics of the contract but there, there is some, some issue with Van, with Van Gaal as there was with Moyes that if they can if they mathematically can qualify for the Champions League, it's 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 much easier to get rid. So once that happened, they they knew this. They, they, they were one hundred percent knew he was going to go. So, I mean, they could have done it in between, and they might talk about how they don't want to spoil the ethical preparations. But at least that would have given them the chance. So on Saturday, he's able like everyone's able to say, well, what, "What a nice goodbye from that he actually has the cup in his hands." But they couldn't even give him that. And the fact it's gone on since then. I mean, there's some stories yesterday from some of the journalists that work with the Manchester Beat that. United were furious that this story got out in the way it did. But again, it, it's a situation of their making. Yeah, uh, I mean, they are saying, uh, according to a lot of the, those reports, that this didn't, this leak didn't come from us. Um, so you wonder who it did come from. I mean, it's a bit of a speculation for you, Miguel. Who, you know, who? Because because I, I don't really. I mean, it's it's not immediately obvious how it would suit the other side, you know, the sort of Mourinho Mendes side for this league to come out. Although I suppose if, it's, if it stops everyone yeah. talking about what a great day it was for Lee Van Halden, so much the better. Well, I think, I, but I think it's, it's often dangerous to make assumptions in these situations because uh, at this point, in a situation like this as well, there's so many people involved. And, so, and if you look at where most of the news from Mourinho has come from the past two weeks, it's, it's, it's mostly from been Italy, where which is you know has more agents in it than, than any other, has more agents working at any other area in, in Europe or any other league in Europe. So there's so much information gets filtered through there. So I, like, I think it, it, it is almost dangerous to make kind of such, such black and white assumptions about where it's come, despite the fact that many people see, seem to have done so. Regardless, Dion, of where the leak came from uh, and how this has ended, what we, the information we have had since then, or the sort of conf- confirmed information, widely reported information certainly, uh, has come from a number of journalists who've been writing the same kind of stuff about uh, the near-mutinous atmosphere in the Manchester United dressing room. Well, you're already smiling. What do you think about the what do you think about well, these stories? Well, I think again you can't you can't separate one from the other now. It's if you were to create a climate that would be as as uh un, unfavorable to somebody like Jose Mourinho coming in uh, uh, as you could create the idea of players briefing against their former manager while also briefing that they don't want Jose Mourinho. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, you know, it's like you know, sort of the assassination of JFK and then getting Jose Mourinho to head the Warren Commission. You know, it's not, it's, <laughs> it, it's not really, you know, it's not really what you want for a man who has, in his last two jobs, uh, ended them with kind of, you know, with, with seeing sort of, uh, sort of tra- traitors everywhere, searches for rats, all this kind of stuff. Um, and then you kind of start off your new job. Oh, yeah, there's, there's a dressing room here that, you know, a lot of people don't want you. So it's everything feeds into, again, this sense of crisis, this sense of a club that, you know, it kind of goes back to even the sort of Woodward, uh, you know, when they, when they bought Juan Mata, this kind of slightly sort of timid club that really can't assert itself over over Van Hal, 
uh, can't do that properly. You know, sort of, you know, when you go back to the Matt, I think, fearful of, of dealing directly with Chelsea in case they accidentally sold them Wayne Rooney. You know, now that is not a club that you <laughs> kind of you can feel confident that can can handle Jose Mourinho. That that's that's the key problem, and uh, that's you know, you just wonder where it's going to go and where it's going to go for Mourinho as well with his own uh, you know personality issues. Is there also a little bit of a problem with the players if they can't handle? A little bit of criticism on a Monday morning from Van Hal. I mean, this is what this is job. He, he sits them down. He he tells them where they've gone wrong. Uh, they take the hump. So according to these stories, he then sends them um, sends them videos with a few little clips here and there. Uh, well, but essentially long emails detailing again where further areas in which they've. I wonder how long a long email is. You know, in the, in the mind of a Manchester United player, he, five lines longer than what Van Hal probably would consider a, yeah. a lengthy. But it seems like he's 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 trying to I don't know bring a. I'm being very maybe overly generous Van Hal here, but it doesn't seem like the end of the world to ask players to self-critique or to allow him to critique them. But they they don't seem to want to do that. No, I think you, well, I think you can probably imagine the manner in which Van Hal would do it too, and uh, it would be abrasive. Mm. Uh, so, but again, it's one of these things when everything is going wrong. These things all sound kind of almost reasonable, uh, even. Even the kind of most preposterous stuff, like you know, it was it was Van Hal's fault that Rooney didn't score with with his first touch into you know when it was crossed into him against Spurs in the opening day of the season because he was had in his head, you know, this striker who's played you know been been at the top, been playing in the Premier League since he was sixteen, had it in his head that LVG wanted him to take you know a touch in the box so he couldn't finish. That that was why his mm. that was why his touch was so poor. Presumably that was why he, he you know, he he looks like a, a broken footballer, he can't run anymore. Maybe this is all down to Van Hal rather than anything that is wrong in Rooney's game. And footballers by their nature will look to to shift the blame whenever they can. And that's that's part of the game now. It's managers take make take take the, the, the criticism. And because United haven't been successful, uh, it's easy to it's easy to criticize Criticize Van Hal, and equally, if Mourinho isn't successful, there will be so many ways you can criticize him. This has been happening a lot at Man United, Miguel, hasn't it? Because you know, this isn't a million miles away from some of the stuff that was said about David Moyes. You know, oh, this guy doesn't understand the way the Manchester United way. We want to play attacking football. You know, he doesn't let us express ourselves. We have no sense of freedom. It's the same. It's the same stuff. It's and the, yeah, the thing that's, that's changed is the manager. The players are the, are, are, are the common factor. But it's it's also one of those things where basically it's 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 all about the context, all about the personality of the manager, and it's all about re- re- results really. Because if United were doing well, stories like that would be flipped over and use kind of details as you know the sophistication of the manager's thinking or whatever. So yeah, it it, it, it all comes down to that really. But I mean the, the bottom line, they have obviously have the, the issues of Van Gaal more so are his personality, how he deals with them, and ultimately how he plays. I mean we can't well, that, escape but, the fact. Miguel, you, know, you, you mentioned sorry, you mentioned the personality, and and I saw that was a that was a kind of theme in a lot of these pieces. They they all sort of included a line about weird. How, yeah, Van Gaal was, was a bit of a weird guy, he's a bit of a Nimrod. You know, you never, you never. I always thought Van Gaal seemed like a perfectly decent man. I mean, I I, I honestly thought he seemed like a, or in fact a good man. I don't. What what is so weird about this guy? Is it is it his accent? Is it his face? I mean, are players in, incapable of getting over these kind of superficial uh, aspects of a person? Well, uh, I was told this weekend that someone had said at the very start of the Van Gaal reign, some, some well positioned close to United, that within eighteen, the players would someone had worked in Van Gaal in the past that the players would initially like him and his approach and that he had such clear ideas, but within eighteen months they. 
they completely get fed up with him because he's just too the quote was too overbearing. Uh, and I think that, that that that's probably how it's come about. He's too too dogmatic, too much. And I mean, what? Okay, obviously some of the stories like having to take the extra touch in the box are um, very self-serving in some ways, but it still does reflect the fact that uh, that Van Gaal's a pro. He, he he was too unbending, and I mean, I, again, I was at so many United games this season, and weirdly, other matches when they had to take on a team that was notionally better than them, and they could kind of they had to react to that. Like for example, the Arsenal three-two game where they had to play so many youngsters. United were generally awful. They were they were dull to watch. I mean, they they so they they don't create chances. That that's almost the biggest problem of all, and that's bigger than any of this. The United and he set up a United team in a way that just doesn't create chances. They're dull. Um, so uh, and I think I think that that's bigger than his issues. And while there are obviously huge issues maybe with the playing squad there at the moment, yeah. and they probably do need an overhaul. Um, I, I think the, the main problem there is Van Gaal's tactics and his management. Yeah, I I can agree. I agree with that that it's the way he set them up. But I think isn't there also a failing in as you say that the the, the the squad? You know, the the players that have been brought in, and it's not all like you can you can play it on Van Hal as much as you like, but. There's other people again. The failure of United to once Ferguson and David Gill left, their failure to actually know the the transfer market uh, yeah. is, is is astonishing. And you know that, that goes back. You know, Moyes Moyes had so many failures. Van Hal and you know, now they have a squad that is isn't suited to the way Van Hal might ideally play because mm-hmm. they don't have any you know mm-hmm. proper midfielders and uh, and whatever he does want them to do. They, they're so incapable of doing it. So he ends up kind of just lobbing the ball into Fellaini and, and using these kind of tactics. Um, and I think, you know, I think the failure of the squad can't all be laid at, at, at his feet. Miguel? Well, it is, I think that's failure of the club as well. I mean, if you talk to anyone now as well, the way United are structured, I mean, people can't believe what they're doing. It's, just, it's so outdated. And as you say, once Ferguson went, they didn't make the necessary steps to try and upgrade the club. And they're a club that could, that could require a structural overhaul as much as anything. I mean, I was told about when Van Gaal first came into the job, he was actually shocked that he would have to do a lot of the donkey work in terms of transfers himself, in terms of identifying players, in terms of um, you know of, of, of pursuing things, uh, and and that's possibly one reason why we have such see, seen such indecision in terms of his um, in terms of how he's put his squad together. I mean, you can even see with some of the players he signed, he's suddenly gone for someone, played them for the more. I think someone like Marcus Rojo is a perfect example of that. Came in, played him for a month, got fed up with him, didn't really like him, and then because he couldn't go anywhere else, he was forced to play him in. And that's that's happened with a lot of the players. That it's almost like Van, Van Gaal doesn't fully know himself whether they sued his team, probably because he, need, he needed more help in terms of in in terms of finding players. And then on the other side of that, you've had Woodward's obsession with signing stars for a manager that is the most anti-star manager in the history of football. <laughs> Di Maria yeah. being the perfect example, and, and even. In the detail of that piece yesterday, there was the Bale example as well. <laughs> a player who's probably unsuited to Van Gaal too. Yeah, I mean, you kind of think in the situation like that, just get Bale and then figure out what to do. You know, yeah. let's take that as your starting word. But, you know, if this, this transfer uh, thing was was difficult, uh, Van Gaal, as you mentioned, was, what, you mean I'm supposed to sign the players? I don't think Jose Mourinho's going to be shocked by that. I think he's going to embrace that responsibility. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, so himself and and uh, George Mendes know the transfer market as as well as anyone, I guess. How do you think they're feeling about the prospect of directing? Because I saw that you reported um, on ESPN that, in fact, Mourinho part of the deal is that he does have final say on transfers. Yeah. Um, so, how do you think they feel about about gaining access to probably 
Europe's largest transfer fund at this moment? Well, yeah, this is it. I mean, and to be fair to Mourinho, as, as for all the problems in his own last season at Chelsea, and many of them were self-inflicted, in August he was complaining about the fact that he, he didn't think the squad, well, he privately, well, he wasn't saying in public, but privately he had misgivings about how the squad wasn't ready for the, for the, the title defence and he wanted to make more signings. And I think the interesting thing with Mourinho, I think this is basically the first time in his career, other than Inter, although the Moratti situation, Moratti was so kind of, you know, indulgent of him that he basically had control of it. This is the first time he has such direct say over transfers. So, it's, and as you, as you put it, would probably the biggest fund in Europe. Now, one interesting thing with United, that they're actually, it's quite odd about the club. Basically, since Rio Ferdinand, I don't think they've signed a top player they wanted off a club that didn't really want to sell it to them. Um, basically, since then, so and Mourinho's going to require a lot of that. I think that that goes down to maybe the way to do business. It, also, they don't have David Gill there now, even to kind of lubricate those deals. So, it's, it, I mean, we 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 could see a certain uh, difficulty or tension there as well. And that Mourinho could be trying to force through deals for certain players that this. Uh, of a, of a type that this club hasn't exactly been successful with the last few years. I mean, even even Di Maria, a transfer they had huge problems with, and that, in actually getting over the line, and that was despite the fact that Real Madrid were desperate to sell him. I mean, it could be interesting now. I mean, you'd you'd imagine someone like James Rodriguez could be in a similar situation because he doesn't really have a place in the um, in the Real Madrid team. United are one of the only obvious super clubs he can go to. Um, so <laughs> again, you'd imagine that'd be a, a development for the summer. Diony didn't. Uh, I mean, he does have the uh, small batch of world class or potentially world class young players. So, I mean, if you if you uh, take Martial as like, a guy who looks almost like an established uh, top class player already at his age, Marcus Rashford, his sort of potential. Is it unfair on Mourinho to suggest that he mightn't be as trusting in in those kind of young players as Van Hal was supposed to be? Uh, I, I don't think it, I don't think it is unfair. I don't think it really bothers Mourinho because. Uh, Basically, what he wants to do is win, and Marcus Rashford and, and those and and stories like that became a sort of consolation prize for Van Hal. I don't think anyone at United would really care if they were winning, and uh, and there was and Marcus Rashford was still playing in in the in the under twenty one team. Mm. Uh, so, well, did you see Mourinho putting his faith in players no. that young? Not at all. <laughs> no, no, no. He's putting even, his faith even, in the even, players, even Marshall. Maybe Martial, but Martial's a, a, a different case. Yeah. He's not. A, he's not. A, he's not a player they've sort of nurtured through the ranks. These players are going to end up spending a huge amount of money on, staggering yeah. amount of money on. Uh, I think. I think Mourinho's only only concern really is is winning. And so when he talks about being true, and I, I don't. And I don't think. I don't think Manchester. If he can do that, I think the big, the question is if he can do that. What about the Manchester United way? The Manchester United Dion. way is about winning. Imagine no, way it's fast first. wingers. No, no, it's, it's but that was that, up, up that, that was the end. way Alex Ferguson. Alex Ferguson's, you know, you know, as he's, he, we can't say it. You know, his his message to Dave Dave Brailsford about how you keep a squad fresh. You know, get rid of the c word, and uh, that's what you do. And for Ferguson, there was no greater example of of, you know, of a c word than people who went out and lost. All his his message was, you know, don't lose. If you lose, you are. A, James Blunt. Yeah, and uh, that was that was what, and everything that came from Manchester United. The way Manchester United played under Ferguson just reflected that philosophy: don't lose. You know the great moments. You go back to kind of nineteen ninety three and the game against Sheffield Wednesday. 
there wasn't. Does anyone remember? Was it was it free flowing attacking football? No, it was don't lose. We're not going to lose this. The same in in, in against Bayern Munich in '99. You know, will you know? Now the difference with Van Hal was they all you know will Manchester United score? They always score. That was the kind of philosophy which was, has gone completely. Mourinho, if he can get that, the rest of it won't matter. It won't matter if there aren't any young players. If if any if if that stuff is is absent, if they're winning, it'll be exciting. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I don't know. Are we? Is that a bit unfair to Manchester United? I mean, is there, is there more than Alex Ferguson? You know, there's Bobby Charlton there. Bobby Charlton has, has actually spoken out. I feel sorry for Bobby Charlton now. Um, Jose Mourinho looks like he is coming in, and he knows Bobby Charlton said all this. He's talked all this trash about him. Uh, and he's probably the only person Bobby Charlton's ever talked trash about, <laughs> actually. Um, but, you know, that, that sort of idea of... We want to do things in a dignified way, you know. But maybe, maybe he remembers that this. What did Alex sport. Ferguson do in a dignified? Well, I think way. at least Ferguson knew how to simulate dignity at, at moments and, when and it was required. Well, at least he, he understood what it, how it worked when he wasn't attacking referees, other managers, anybody who who threatened his power and control. He was he was very dignified to those who bowed down in front of him. It's true. He he he, he was. Uh, I mean, but Mourinho uh, sometimes even his attempts to kind of be nice. Just don't work. <laughs> he's much, well, I think he's I, much better at being nasty. Like, do you remember when he, when uh, when Real Madrid beat Man United in what was Ferguson's last uh, European game, yeah. and Mourinho's performance after that, which was oh yeah, so oh, he didn't uh, the best want, the yeah. best team lost the best yeah, team lost. literally the only time he's ever said this about any game uh, that his team was playing. The best, the, I thought the best team lost, and and there was just something kind of oh, what are you doing? This is there's something so obviously false about mm. this that I don't I don't know it's what, what what Bobby Charlton was getting out of Mourinho you know did he, did he have a point well I, I think the one one difference you could say is that Ferguson tend you know he, first of all his longevity suggests that he he's able to manage uh, within a club uh, manage upwards do all those things without the uh, self-destructive tendencies of Mourinho so there is there is a difference in that way Ferguson tended he, he had the control at Manchester United and then he tended to Exercise his power outwards, so any any threats that came to him from outside. Whereas Mourinho, as we've seen, is always on the search for uh, um, people who might be you know prepared to uh, are considering betraying him from within in the club. So that tends to that is that is a, a key difference. So there there are there are going to be differences, um, but if Mourinho if Mourinho is the manager he was at Inter and at Chelsea the first time. Then maybe it won't matter. I, the question is, if if you get if if what happens at Madrid and what happens at, at Chelsea in the final, uh, you know, and it happens so quickly at Chelsea, like that's mm. the thing. If that if that happens, then you know, going into a club where there are already people saying they don't want him there, they wanted Ryan Giggs. Ryan Giggs, uh, that'll be interesting to see see what happens there. Mm. Um, if, well, if what do you think is going to happen? Well, I think he might. You know, maybe it won't be interesting. Maybe it'll just be. It'll be over. I think Ryan Giggs might be tr- trying his luck elsewhere. You think it's over, Miguel? Are they going to throw Giggs overboard? Will he spread his wings and fly away? Uh, I've not heard yet. I, I think he should. To be honest, I mean, I think it's a point been raised on the show before. But Giggs has designs on management. Yet already he's at the age where I mean, sorry, when Guardiola's at the same age as Giggs, he'd already conquered Europe a few times over. So, uh, well, you know, Frank, Giggs doesn't it, it, seem to want to do any job in management that might actually affect his chances of getting the biggest mm-hmm. job in management, which is kind of a strange way. Well, yeah, he, well, he probably has seen well, uh, yeah. how it's gone for others and maybe thinks, although how many times can you be the number two, I guess, to, to new managers coming in? What about Pep, please? Yeah. You mentioned there a couple of times. Miguel, how do you think that that dynamic's going to work out? Will it be as uh, combustible as it was when they were managing in Spain? 
Um, I'd say probably in the first few months we'll get it'll be all niceness. Both of them will have press conferences in which they kind of talk about how there's no problems and they respect each other greatly. Then the first flashpoint we'll see all the all the old uh, tensions return. But I think it's actually, it's actually in terms of even the United legacy and things like Pep, it's quite interesting that regard with Mourinho because despite what's gone on at United and the club they are, there's probably less quote political intrigue there than there was at Real and maybe even Chelsea because of the structure. I mean. You talk about kind of you know the Ferguson and Charlton influence and all that, but really that's kind of an old fading United. They've they've gone from that to a club that now will willingly paint their mascots blue because they've got to deal with some film company. I mean, this is the new United, a, a club that will do anything to make money at this point. It seems. Yeah. Um, and I suppose they're they're, they're employing uh, a manager that will um, the, the, probably the most the, the biggest ultra pragmatist we've ever seen as manager that. He, he already, he's ready to try almost any tactic to win. I mean, I think it's maybe some fair to call Mourinho a defensive coach in, that, in the way it's been said so often because he's really just a pragmatist. But in any case, if there's maybe going to be less tension within the club that there was at Real or Chelsea, um, it's the amount of potential battles he has outside. I mean, we've got, he's got his history with Guardiola, his history with Wenger, his own kind of slightly feisty history with uh, Liverpool, uh, given what happened in 2014 and his reaction to kind of winning 2-0 that day and how that's going to be escalated given United's relationship with Liverpool. And you would imagine that he, it is something that, he, that Mourinho will kind of you know, give a bit more fire to because it is a way to uh, ingratiate him with the fans. And he's always been brilliant to, uh, with that kind of thing, Mourinho. But again, if there's, there's going to be no battles inside the club, it, there, there, could, there could be umpteen outside it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what, do you, what do you think... Pep Guardiola thinks of all this deal. I mean, he, he, this guy nearly drove him to distraction the last time, and that was when they were just in the same country. Now they're like a couple of miles down the road from each other. Pep also, when he looks around the league, uh, sees a bunch of football men who, in different ways, want to do him down. He's got uh, Pardew, uh, Pulis, and Sam, who want to prove that the foreign managers are not more qualified than us. He's got, um, you know, we've been talking about Mourinho, obviously Antonio Conte at uh, Chelsea, uh, Jurgen Klopp, uh, managers who want to show that their way of playing is better than than his. Uh, really, there's a snake under every rock from the point of view of Pep Guardiola in this Premier League. It's, 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 it's kind of a nightmarish prospect for him to, uh, to him to be thinking about this summer. Well, his biggest problem, I think, is actually the squad he's going to get at Manchester City. I think he could probably deal with all of that if it wasn't for the fact that who, who is he going to keep from that squad? It, it's, it's, you know, they've kind of been a disgrace this season. And uh, that's, that's his biggest problem. All those other, other things, uh, how the other managers react as City, as he deals with all, all those problems will be interesting. But it, I think the biggest test for him, if he can kind of just have to deal with all that, he'll be fine. But actually what's going on at City and what he's going to have to do at City is going to you know, take up, you know, going to be so, so overwhelming. Yeah, that's absolutely brilliant stuff. Dion Miguel, thanks a million. Cheers, lad. Cheers, lad. Disgraceful an incident as that in all my years in football. Eric Cantona should 
been thrown out of the game for that sort of incident. I care not one jot about his supreme talent. He launched himself six feet into the crowd and Kung Fu kicked a supporter. I must say, Ken, when you started listing out all those managers, I've already started getting excited about next season. This, you, you would think that maybe this would have gone a different way in, with all the money that's come into football in the last number of years that the manager would nearly be forgotten about because all these, these players are getting more and more famous and just more and more uh, becoming these sort of you know, these guys but, with a cut of celebrity. But the, the managers are still the thing. No, well, that's the Spanish league. The Spanish yeah. league is the players' league and then uh, England is the managers' league. Yeah. It is, well, it is. I think it's it's. It reminds me a little bit of you know Hullet and Viali arriving to bring. Oh, hang on, these guys have actually got quite a lot of money. Um, uh, the way in which all of these managers with great achievements behind them are now in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if is does anyone believe that Jose Mourinho has in him another uh, triumph like the one of Porto or, or Inter? Oh yeah, you think he does. He- can, can he win the Champions League with Manchester United? Oh, he could win the Champions League, but would it be... Does, it, would it, does he have another achievement in him as great? Does Pep Guardiola have another team in him as, as magnificent as the 2011 you know, Barcelona team? Does Jurgen Klopp... Is Jurgen Klopp ever again going to do anything like winning the league twice with a you know baby team at Dortmund? Well, yeah, if he did it with Liverpool. Yeah, but what I mean is that these are, these are guys who already have what I suspect to be their defining achievements behind them. And they're, they're, they're almost here now in the... It's like that because they're the most famous guys. That's the way the Premier League works. You know, you you, you bring in the they can't quite get the best players. Those guys still want to play with each other. And right right now, the concentration is all in at Real Madrid and Barcelona. But the managers, oh, they can get managers. All right. Well, there are some top players, obviously, in the Premier League, including Jamie Vardy, who you wanted to talk about. I haven't given you a chance just yet. Well, Jamie Vardy scored again for England. Uh, Owen, he's he can't stop scoring. The lad. Uh, this was against Turkey, winning the game for them two one. Um, uh, and now he's off to get married. So congratulations to him. As Roy Hodgson says, uh, the public might think it odd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the major reason was he had to cancel his wedding last year when I called him up. I mean, difficult situation, you know. Sorry, um, but I need to cancel my wedding. I, I, I'm, I'm almost surprised that he actually did that, but it shows his ambition, I suppose. Um so it was more difficult for me than it would have been otherwise to complain about this week's date. We also changed the time of our meeting up. When Jamie planned the wedding, he thought he'd get a week or ten days off at the end of the season. You'd have to ask him about the wedding. But we know Jamie. We're satisfied with him. I don't think his place in the team or the squad is under enormous threat. I think if Roy Hodgson was to drop Jamie Vardy from the England squad, there would be a revolution in England. That would bring the people out on the streets. <laughs> I mean, the, Jamie Vardy has the makings of such a hero. I think Vardy and Kane, there's something about the two of them complementary characteristics mm. uh, different ideas of Englishness but they have the potential to be such a legendary uh, strike to, if they can you know score a couple of goals they literally just need to score a couple of goals yeah. it's was interesting like, just when we were talking about Rooney earlier it's do you think Wayne really will be in the team for England's last 16 game Ooh, in the Euros you know assuming I really, I really get the impression that you know the way these tournaments hothouse players' development or decline? Mm. So Rooney, as of right now, Rooney will be in the... God, have Wayne Rooney in the team. Yeah. You know, record goal scorer. He's our captain. You know, he, he's, the, he's our guy. He's our guy. One and a half bad games in the Euros. The whole place would be like, clamouring for him to be Get booted. him out. Actually, we want a 22-man squad. 
we can't have this guy around the around the squad. I mean, that's that's what happens in these tournaments. Yeah. Right now, what what do you think? Well, it's hard. It's hard because Hodgson is in a bit of a bind now. I think his his two he clearly has a two man strikers, two two man strike force in in Kane and Vardy, which has got a lot going for it. You know, Vardy's so fast. Kane is just an all round sort of top player who's in good form. Deli Ali also does complicate things rather. Well, Deli Ali's kind of an off the striker guy. You know, he's more of a midfielder. You know, he's. Yeah, I think the, he's a bit more versatile. He's kind of playing in the place really? that you would awkwardly pigeonhole Wayne Rooney really into this team that he doesn't deserve to be a you're, part of. You're already pigeonholing him if you play. You could play a four four two diamond. Then you're not. You don't really have wide players apart from your fullbacks. So you're getting Rooney in there. You could get him in there, but yeah, it's like he hasn't been any good in that role. Mm. Like why he hasn't? He didn't deserve to be in. The, or you could do what Hodgson did the other day, which is play Vardy um, wide. You know, you, you could kind of play four two one three or four two three one, and Vardy is is one of the wingers, which is what he was the other day. And people were saying to Hodgson, "This is a total waste of Jamie Vardy, by the way. Why are you playing Vardy as a winger? It's a total waste of his of his ability." And Hodgson saying, we need to be able to play both systems. So I think that will ultimately be what he goes for. Mm. Vardy out of position to accommodate Rooney. Won't yeah. suit Vardy. It's always Won't re- make much difference to Rooney. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always really funny, though, because people say, well, you know, it's a good problem to have, you know, when you've got all these... But see, it's not. it's not. When one of them is playing terribly. It's a terrible, terrible problem to have. The undroppable guy is playing terribly. We'll be talking about Rory McIlroy's ridiculous triumph in the Irish Open, amongst other uh, subjects, in our second podcast of the day. Hope you heard this show. There was, uh, hope you heard this show. You did hear it because you're still listening now. Hope you enjoyed <laughs> this show as well as hearing it. Uh, thanks, Ken. Thank you, Owen. Thanks, Owen. Thanks, thanks, Ken. Thank you, Ken. Thanks very much. Talk to you later. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.